Welcome to Women Who Rock. Today, I am joined by Dulcimer Schoen, who is a vocalist and violinist in five-piece band Coco and the Butterfields, and she also runs a sustainable fashion label called Dulcimer. So, Dulcimer, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. It's my absolute pleasure. Hello. We've got a lot to talk about today, and I would like to begin with music. So as I mentioned, you are playing in a five-piece called Coco and the Butterfields. You released a single in, I believe, January called Together Again, which we're going to listen to in a little bit. Um, But this is kind of the start of what will be your debut full-length album, which will be coming out this year. So can you tell us a little bit about the journey that you've gone through to get to the point of releasing this uh, first full-length album? Yeah, it's been a long one. It's been a really long journey. The band has been going for, um, as of last November, so as of a few months ago, it's been going for 10 years, um, which uh, you would have thought by now we would have, we could have done an album in that time. But um, but no, we did EP after EP after EP kind of thing. That was our, I don't know, that was the route we were going to go down. And um, the album now, as in now we've actually come around to doing an album, uh, it makes sense to, well, it, it made sense to kind of, I don't know, talk about all the ages that the band has gone through because it's not been, the band we are now is very different to the band we were on day one, right. which is also very different to a few different phases. But they're quite good. I, I actually look at the, the journey of the band and it's like watching a sort of an ent- a con- entity completely of its own, like a human. And it's had its childhood. It had a bit of teenage years. And genuinely, you know, then it's sort of matured and it grew up a bit. And it, I don't know, it's in its sort of ripening age now. I don't know whether that makes sense. <laughs> okay. So maybe it's like documenting the historical evolution. Yeah. Yeah. And it was a good, it's a healthy evolution. You know, all bands, well, it's pretty standard. You'll have bands that kind of morph their music, they want to change. Because no one, no musician, often musicians don't want to make the same music day in, day out. They want to have a bit of, experimenting or they want to go a bit one direction then change to another direction um and we've done a, just all that sort of thing and had different lineups had different looks had different sort of I don't know whole different attitudes depending of course we're 10 years older we're all different people in every other way to the people we were 10 years ago as well in terms of the evolution of the band I guess I saw um like the recent single and the, the other music that I've listened to it's quite a I guess like a big full production yes but I saw that you have actually done I mean you've done quite a lot of busking right yeah Um, so I'm interested to see how do you translate this kind of big uh, studio sound into a onto a street corner basically (laughs) yeah so I mean we actually always had the problem the other way around before in a weird way because we started as busking so of course you are really limited you've only got the instruments in your hands and you can only get so much sound um, but you know, it was fun and the songs were brilliant. They were always, um, predominantly, they're always written by the, the front man who's Tom and they're great. And so, but then we had this issue of trying to translate that. So sorry, I'm attacking your question from, <laughs> from a 180 degree. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so we had to kind of attack the, sorry, we had to make the records. So, well, the, any recordings we did 
we wanted to make them sort of amp them up, make them sound bigger. So of course you can do that on a computer, but then yes, what do you do live? And I don't know, we, we, had, we went through a whole phase of getting a lot more musicians on stage in a sort of, anyway, we had other players. So we had, um, we'd have sort of a choir at one point, we'd have a string section at one point, and this would make our live shows really, really big and exciting. But like I said, I'm sort of dotting about here because that was one phase. Um, and then of course we'd include them on the recordings. So then the recordings got all big and then now we perform live and just sort of, I don't know. I think the guys with their guitars and effects, we go through, they go through a lot more kind of effects, the, the things that the rest of the music world do, which is <laughs> guitar pedals and stuff like that. Right. So it's kind of like a big circle where you started on like the street corner then you had to bring that into the, I almost said laboratory, but I meant studio. <laughs> <laughs> and then that has to go back out to the world. Um, I would actually love to talk about Kent because okay. I know that you are a Kent-based Kentish girl and a band, yes, very much. Oh, you're a Kentish girl as well. Okay. Um, but Kent is like a county. So I'm interested to know, like, where where in Kent do is live music? Is it largely based in Canterbury or do you kind of travel all around the county to play shows? We'll, we'll travel all around. You can, you can probably travel one side of Kent to the other in about an hour. <laughs> so um yeah so within that space there's uh what does that there's sort of yeah a few major towns you'd go to um Canterbury is one of them and obviously we'd kind of we made that our place where we'd always busk so of course then we got a big following there which meant we could fill out quite early on actually we could fill out um it's big it's like big theater the Marlowe theater there so that was 1200 people which was a really fun whoa uh, First gig, yes. And for, so for a, like an unsigned band and all that sort of thing, within its first, well, within a year and a bit of us being together at all, because of the power of busking and the power, you know, that whole sort of street party thing that we added to the to the high street of Canterbury, yeah, it meant we could sell out Canterbury quite quite easily, and it and it was a really fun sort of um, momentous moment there. And then of course you can sort of ebb and ebb out from Canterbury, so there are places like. Um, I don't know, Faversham, Mashford, Tunbridge Wells, all these other sort of big towns. And then generally the, the pattern was to kind of move towards London because then, of course, if you get your following nearer to London, everyone gravitates there for some reason. But so we did that. Sure. Okay. Uh, yeah, I was going to ask if you do, because I saw that you do quite a lot of UK um, tours as well. But one thing I kind of wanted to touch on was that, so I've been in the UK for about six months now. And coming from Australia, I didn't really understand the skiing culture. The, the skiing culture? Yeah. So it seems like a lot of people that I've spoken to who live in the UK go to Europe to ski. Oh, yes. Yes. And I saw that you did an Alpine tour. I think that was in yes. like <laughs> yeah. 2018 or maybe 19. We did a few actually. Well, you'd go out for the season and then, yeah, you'd play all the French. Often we went to the French resorts, but there were, there were resorts all over, you know, Austria and um, Switzerland and some in Italy and you know um, but yeah we went near all the, the French resorts basically. Okay so is that a, in the in the same way that you know British people well from my pretty small uh, sample size I know that quite a few British people go to go, over there. <laughs> go there to France or if they're real rich Switzerland right? Yeah yeah. <laughs> um, I've just come from Zurich and I very much understand no, that. Yeah. <laughs> Is that a common thing for British bands to do as well? I to do like a tour. It's um, 
it probably is it is common it's good fun you can go and it's very much um they're all holiday destinations. you know everyone goes there to be on holiday so it's a, it's a generally it's always a fun party atmosphere i can say on behalf of on behalf of the bands out there the music that's wanted of you is covers so it's not quite the same as so right. you where you're filling out venues for the band music that you're you know you've written it's a very different thing to then going to the Alps and and playing there. It's still it's very fun. Um, uh, but it was the, the other reason I'm laughing about the general Alps sort of um, I don't know vibe is that it's it's very heavy going, or at least I found it very very heavy going because you're doing gigs often twice a day, um, and there'll be an apres ski uh, slot which is often sort of the five pm kind of time. Then you've got the party night time which will be sort of ten or eleven pm. And as the band, you go and you have to load up all your stuff. It's just very heavy going because, of course, you're driving up and down mountain ranges as well because these are often resorts that are half an hour minimum apart from each other. Often they're hours, really, (laughs) apart from each other, up and down snowy mountains. So it's like a crash course. If you want to be a touring band, I would definitely suggest you do that, rough that out for (laughs) for a uh, decent season, uh, you know, a a full season, and then you'll think – then you'll think you're invincible if you've got through that. Like a like a, a snow themed pressure test to see if you yes. can survive the. Yes. Does that mean you're driving with? Because you have to put like chains on the tire if it yes, gets exactly. really slippery. You have to be snow ready for everything. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm entering a different world. <laughs> that, is, that is another whole different world compared to yeah, like I say, the touring around the UK is a breeze compared to that. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, I'm watch used to watching. You know, bands play it near the beach, mm, not oh, God, strapping God. on chains and driving up a snowy mountain. <laughs> Ice, yeah, big boots, and you've got to oh, carry big speakers over icy steps. Yeah, the beach thing sounds. I'd I'd like to move on to that now. I think. <laughs> nice. The only hazard is sand, but that's probably fine. Oh, yeah. oh, um, <laughs> so, uh, Dulcimer, I think that you know we've been talking about uh, cocoa in the butterfields. Let's hear a track. So this was the most recently released single and it is called Together Again. Decades gone but life goes on Days roll into weeks and in two years Passing through the seasons With a million different reasons to be here Then I heard your heart and it made me much To the sound of rising up And coming home And how long has it been Tell me your friends like these Only real Real dreams mean everything our brothers and sisters with nothing to lose together again hold on or we'll get there soon I really want to take the time to thank you for the pieces of my To, 
latest single from Coco and the Butterfields called Together Again. So now, Dulcema, I'm going to uh, change gears a little bit because you are also um, the owner of a sustainable fashion label called Dulcema. And I think that, I mean, reading the kind of approach to the brand uh, on the website, is it seems like there's a real angle of sustainability. So can you firstly maybe tell us a little bit about, I guess, the ethos of the brand? Yes. Of course, yeah. Well, um, it's all stemmed from the the story is that I learned to sew using old clothes when I was twenty years ago or so, and now it's um, more important than ever to be using up old clothes, or at least not making um, you know not making thousands, millions of garments we don't need. So, um, and I went about it in the way I would have done, like I say, when I was ten or so, and I'm <laughs> collecting people's old clothing. Um, I lump them together by their qualities and their colour. So you've got the stretches, the stretchy fabrics all go together. And then within the stretchy fabrics, all the reds go together. All the blues go together and all that. 
Um, and then it's very simple, actually. I just stitch them together and make more fabric. Oh, well, sorry. I've missed out a step there. Uh, I punch out, out of them, I punch uh, die cuts and uh, squares. <laughs> so they're all regular shape. And then you put all these, uh, let's say, red stretchy fabrics. You put all those squares together and you make a, a ream of fabric that you can then make stuff out of. Um, so it sounds a bit labour intensive, but it, it's uh, <laughs> weirdly each step of that process is is strangely quite easy. So um, yeah, and then you make not too many garments. You make them to order or right. So where do you source all of these secondhand garments from? People just give them. <laughs> so that's donated. Right. It's the kind of. Um, I mean, it's really. It, it, I'm going to admit it's quite early. We're in the early stages of this, but it, it's I'm doing a lot of trialing and testing, and it it does work as an idea. And people have, um, yeah, it, it's kind of becoming. You could throw your clothes away. You could give them to charity, or you could give them to me. It's you know it's okay. a, another option if you've got old jeans. And there are lots of people I've realised that oh thank God I've got a bag of old clothes, and they just want to get rid of it, and I'm very happy to take it all on. <laughs> so so it works that way. I have some old black jeans that I can no longer. Black use. jeans are Maybe. really good. <laughs> oh really? Well, anything ba- um, that's quite typical in that way, not that your dress sense is typical in any way, but the, you know. I wish it was typical. That would probably be better. <laughs> <laughs> um, so putting all the black jeans together, that actually comes out looking really good. The fabrics in the end, because you've got these slight variations in all the different black denims. You put all the stretches together and you've got this really cool stuff that you can make jeans out of or whatever, whatever you want out of. Um but yeah, you treat it. If it's got a stretch to it, you'll make clothes that work, that, that require that bit of stretch. If they've not got stretch, you might make a shirt or, you know, bags or something, whatever. Okay. Um, I don't know if I'm making sense here. So let's, no, totally. I think what's, um, I'm interested in the design though, because already fashion is very complicated because it's not a, it's not a painting on a canvas. Mm-hmm. It has to move in three dimensions. Yes. But you're adding a, an additional element to that in that you're not starting with a the starting material is not necessarily what you choose it's what people have sent to you and you've been able to patch together so can you talk about how does that like I guess additional element that you have to think about how does that complicate the design of the garments that's a really good question and it it I've been working for quite a few years now I've been working around those exact complications um likening everything by its quality so the putting the same properties together means you can kind of think okay cool well um in terms of how durable that you know what that fabric can take if you're putting all the say you put a lot of shirt fabrics or similar to shirt fabrics together you can treat it like shirt fabric it changes the way i design because um (laughs) basically as a pattern drafter as well growing up doing a lot of pattern drafting I have a tendency to go quite complicated and try and make things, you know, really, really detailed. With fabric like this, you've got seams all over the place. Um, not all over the place, very rigid grid-like seams. So it's made my pattern cutting very simple, as in it's it's forcing me to think, right, okay, cool. Well, T-shirts work really well because you've got four pieces, four large panels and one, two, three, you know, six or so seams to finish that up. So, yeah, it, it's... <laughs> And in terms of the what, how it looks, it's really that's the bit that I absolutely I fall in love with it because, as in the whole part of it, that's the bit I love because the fabrics kind of come alive and you, it's something you can't quite dictate. You can nearly engineer what you want from it, 
but you can't quite tell how it's going to come out. And therefore, but it's something everyone loves because it means every single one is, un- you know, you can truly say it is completely unique. I couldn't make that again if I wanted to. Sure. Um, and then you can make something that's very similar to it. So you've got a red spec, a sort of shades of red T-shirt. Um, you can make effectively the same thing again, but it won't actually be the same. But it is as far, you know, if you squint your eyes, it looks the same. It's a bit like if you squint at pic- pixels or, you know, or see pixels from far away. It just looks like a sort of blur of red. Uh, it is that sort of thing, and that's the bit I I really like that because up close I think it's just really fun putting it all together and and seeing it all, you know. <laughs> it's almost like there's a. When you said that, it made me feel like almost as if it's alive. It is like alive. There's, there's something underneath it which is not just buying fabric and making something. It has its own character. Yeah, and it's dictated by what I get given, which is quite fun because it's sort of I like. <laughs> so in music, folk music means music of the people and I think this is the closest thing I can get to folk fashion I know it's not folk it doesn't look necessarily like folk fashion but it is fashion of the people's own fashion if that makes sense lit in a very literal sense literally yeah so whatever you don't want or you know that that's why the jeans is good and sort of black t-shirts are good or, or whatever that people generally have a lot of take I take them all back in do something that looks very cool with them and, and plug them straight back out again um, I'm saying all this. I, <laughs> I'm jumping the gun a bit because none of this is quite on the shop yet on my website, but I'm sure okay. it will be there very soon. But this is the whole ethos. This is the structure behind and the yeah the label. Well, speaking of uh, changes in the approach, yes. so we actually had to change the description from women's wear to sustainable fashion brand because you're moving into tailoring. Yes. So can you tell I, us a bit about that? <laughs> I realise I can I can sound a little flighty when I talk about this, just because <laughs> I've, had to, <laughs> I've had to pigeonhole big time what I do. Because, like I say, I've I've spent so many years sewing, and I remember a time when people go, "Oh, what kind of things do you make?" And I think everything. Like I just I go out to try and make everything. So when I was trying to sort of actually channel it back down, I realised everything I do can fall into four departments. One is the sustainable fashion we've just spoken about. One is uh, bespoke tailoring, which uh, in its own way is a sustainable, bespoke stuff is is a very good way of of shopping sustainably in a way, because I'll go into that. Uh, Bridal is the third department. And then the fourth is basically anything you want made that isn't a suit or a wedding dress. (laughs) So that's where, so tailoring fell in because, yes, I I also really enjoyed, so the patchwork thing, that's really fun. That's sort of ready to wear. Um fun you know you can wear it every day I really really enjoy as a whole separate thing I really love the art of tailoring I've loved Alexander McQueen who began as a tailor as well my whole life um and so I need I really wanted to do that as well the patchwork thing doesn't quite work to tailoring it does require to have good quality fabric it requires sure seams all over the place <laughs> so I've made that my I've made it my mission to uh ah, Basically, I ensure everything I source fabric-wise for my tailoring has been made um, in the UK, and it's in a mill in a mill from Huddersfield in the middle of England. And they are, yeah, it, it's sort of everything very good quality, and it's it's not fast fashion, basically. Okay, you answered my question before I asked it. Did I? What were you going to? I was going <laughs> to. Yeah, I was going to ask about how, like, if this is, uh, it's almost like a separate aspect of the business. But how do you make it sustainable? And the way that you do that is. Everything is sourced through a sustainable source in the UK. It is, yes. Yes. Oh, and okay. and, and same other, with bridal as well. 
The same with bridal, yeah. And well, yes, bridal. I'll what I'll tend to do is, yeah, I'll always try and source fabric. I mean, it's I don't is not environmentally sustainable necessarily, but I'll try and get. I'll always try and shop as locally as I can. So I will try and just go to the shop down the road rather than, I don't know, <laughs> getting huge amounts imported from somewhere. Mm. Um, I'll also, in both the bridal the bridal wear and the suit tailoring wear, I will always try and wiggle in that patchwork fabric I was talking about before in bits where I can. So if some, I get if someone wants a sort of really sharp suit that is all one colour because, you know, it's it's got to look a certain way, it's got to look kind of cohesive, I'll try and say okay cool can I make the pocket linings using my sustainable fabric um and then they've got these inner lining pockets things which is just a sort of constant use of you know keeping the keeping the old textiles reused basically I wonder if there is any scope to marry the two concepts because I I bought a suit recently from Moss Brothers yes and I left it to the last possible minute but as I was buying the suit someone walked into the shop and they said that they wanted like the the suit that was the I don't, can't remember the word they used whether it was like the loudest or the one that that stands Ooh. out the most yeah that's cool oh well so, yeah in that case yeah, but yeah well <laughs> that would be really fun and that is something I definitely want to try is yeah tailoring using a suit uh, using the using some patchwork fabric the thing when you're tailoring you're doing an awful lot you're requiring a lot from the fabrics properties you'll find a good good suits are wool or linen or cotton and when you're in the process of making a suit you actually do a lot of heating and steaming and pulling and stretching it about and that's the one thing you can't necessarily guarantee if, if you're making a really really sort of proper proper tailored suit which is what right. i've been doing but okay. um but you could add, i mean i'm saying that you, i could still definitely make a patchwork suit that's definitely doable and i fully intend to now that you've said that <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm glad that I could inspire a fifth aspect of the business. (laughs) So inspiring. It's time to do the segment, Tell Me a Thing, where I have a list of seven topics, and I ask you to choose one of them and tell us something about it. The topics are politics, Patti Smith, recording equipment, musical equipment, poetry, death, and punk rock. So, Dulcimer... Can you please tell us a thing? I'm going to pick punk rock. Okay. Okay. And um, I'm obviously people will think you'll hear the word punk rock and you'll probably think music because, of course, it is predominantly the music genre of punk rock. When I see the word punk rock, I think of what I – I'm pretty sure it's what inspired me to sew at all, as in start sewing. So it means an awful lot to me, but not in the sense of music – in the sense of fashion, because Vivian Westwood, who everyone knows that name, she was a um, she <laughs> she was like the sort of the punk rock fashion designer at the time. And let's say we're going to call Sex Pistols the beginning of punk rock. I'll probably be uh, told there were some other people that started punk rock, but anyway. Hey, uh, this is a UK theme podcast now, so <laughs> it's, it's all good. We forget the Ramones. It's all <laughs> Sex Pistols. <laughs> All that sex <laughs> um, but yeah, basically, I just fell in love with a lot of things about punk rock. If you look at me, you won't think I look very, uh, very punky, punky or rocker. But um, I don't know. I think it's whole. Um, I like the, I like the attitude of it. I like the, um, yeah. And basically, yeah, it was 
I, weirdly, it was actually a very manufactured band. If we're going to go down the Sex Pistols route again, they were actually very manufactured by the guy that managed Vivian Westwood, who was a guy called Malcolm McLaren. And um, so these things were very closely tied together. So, uh, yeah, I basically, I just, I just love that whole era. I love the whole, everything that came out of it. Um, and I think it's, yeah, it definitely is an undercurrent for me. So when I do patch, patching things together and fraying stuff and ripping fabric about, I can tell it's come from, from the punk rocker within me. Mm, interesting. Carrying punk rock into 2022. Exactly. Sustainable punk um, Wasn't there, I mean, yeah, when I, I guess when I think of punk rock, I think of heavy uh, power chords. But I can definitely agree that there is a fashion element to it. Wasn't there like a famous shop in London? Yes. So this um, is Vivian West on King's Road. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. So um, it was called Sex. And therefore, you know, that was the most anti-establishment thing they could do. Sure. And she had, and it was famous t-shirts with, um, you know, the queen's head on it with safety pins in it and sort of, yeah, very, very out there. And for me, it's just this magical era I wish I lived in. <laughs> and it probably people living in that era probably like, probably thinking it's not, maybe it wasn't that magical, but I don't know. I just had it from a young age. I just remember thinking, I wish I was there then. <laughs> Well, you get an opportunity now to carry that tradition yes. into a new world, I guess. Exactly. Yeah, um, make it into this world, which is a very different one, obviously. Mm. Uh, well, Dulcima, thank you so much for joining us on the show. It really has been a pleasure to chat to you today, and I think we squeezed in quite a lot into the half hour or so in our conversation, so I really enjoyed it. Yes, thank you for having me. It was a massive pleasure. Tell me your friends like these only Women Who Rock is proudly produced in the Sydney studios of Do As We Are 107.3. Together again, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on.